You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Lisa Keefe, editor in chief of Meeting Place and Alt Meat. Welcome to this month's Meeting Pod episode dedicated to the meat alternatives market. Darcy Mackin is the CEO of Plantera Foods, a plant-based protein startup in Boulder, Colorado. Plantera, in turn, is owned by JBS, the Brazilian multinational meat company. Darcy knows a few things about managing growth in a CPG company. Her resume includes tours of duty at Kellogg's and Noosa Yogurt before joining Plantera about a year and a half ago. Darcy has given a lot of thought about what will carry a plant-based protein company into a successful future. And in an interview with Altmeat, she shared her thoughts about innovation, about what consumers really want, and about the market for plant-based and conventional proteins both. For our podcast here, Darcy is speaking with Sarah Feister-Gale, one of Altmeat's most excellent contributing editors. Whether any company, including your own, could compete in size and scale with a company like Tyson in the next 10 years and what that would look like. So the first question, in your opinion, do you think any company in the alt-meat space today is capable of growing to be that scale of a company? I do. I do believe. Absolutely. You know, this way that plant-based protein is growing and has been growing, it's been around for quite a long time, obviously more, I would say, trendy lately based on different categories and new entries and innovation. But the demand for plant-based protein is growing and will always be there. And so that's not going away. But from a scale perspective, it's interesting, right, because when you think about Beyond Meat today or the question on who, you know, being the size of this company, you would think that that would then bleed into different categories, into different food forms, unless they're asking this specific question. Because, right, Tyson, you think of obviously very specific food and same with Beyond Meat today. So the way I'm answering and thinking about it is, yes, absolutely, something will be the size, if not bigger, than Tyson based in just offering plant-based food to people in different categories. So as you point out, plant-based proteins have been around for a while. Why now? Why in the next 10 years is it finally time for them to shine? Multiple different reasons. I think from a consumer lens, first and foremost, especially even with this pandemic, it's really shown a light on food, where you get it, where it's sourced, and how you make it on your own. And it's starting a little bit of a different behavior within households and how you find your food. Now, I think that's obviously, that's an overarching thing, but most of all, availability, right? So with Beyond and Impossible really coming out in more of the fresh section has changed the game. And what that did was make it more available, make it more of acceptance. I would say people are interested and not afraid to try it. Where typically before it was in frozen food and kind of hidden in different special categories or niche markets. Mm-hmm. And obviously more geared towards vegetarians and vegans. And so I think with them opening up, one, the availability, you know, cost, 
and making it more ubiquitous for more households and more acceptable for more people to try it within the family, the stigma has somewhat has changed. And then obviously you get into then food forms and innovation. And now when people, now everyone is coming out, you know, with something plant-based, just based on the fact that people are willing to try it and think about proteins differently. And then, of course, you get into the just pure facts of the growing population, the increased demand of protein. Animals can't meet those demands by themselves. So we need, as a, as a society and as a group around the globe, that we just need alternate sources of protein in order to keep both the population and demand. Excellent. So it seems like that obviously breaking beyond the vegetarian and vegan population, right? That consumers will choose these products because they like them, not because they're trying to fit some sort of dietary goal. That's exactly right. And I think this is part, you know, at Plantera and specifically Ozo, we launched with an audience of flexitarian. And I don't know if this is a worldwide term or not. We, we talk about it like everyone knows what it means. But for us, flexitarianism is more about just making sure people have options. And some, you know, you can eat meat one day, you can be a pure vegetable the next day, or something as simple as putting bacon on a veggie burger. I mean, it's just about, you know, different sources of protein, but above all has to taste delicious. And this is where we found white space as a group with Ozo and just saying, if we're above all about quality ingredients and food and taste, then we'll be invited to the table for everybody, for the entire family, not just the one person that wanted to substitute meat for that day. And then it becomes much more of a, from a household penetration, more into your daily routine. And then people find ways that, hey, it's not so difficult to cook plant-based foods in these different food forms that we have, or you don't have to have a special meal for those people that don't want meat. You talk about more people being open to them and Possible Burger, obviously, going mainstream. Have we reached a tipping point with alternative proteins that they're now popular enough that they're in demand, which will drive demand, which will make them more popular? You know, I think we're actually just in the beginning. We expect growth to continue over this next decade, especially as texture and flavor technology continue to improve. I mean, we're seeing it happen so rapidly that we are just at the beginning of getting into innovation, food forms, different ways that we can make it again more mainstream for people to eat plant-based foods. And again, most importantly, that this negative stigma of eating plant-based diets besides and protein analogs that are created, it really becomes about availability, flavor, texture in the entire experience. And I honestly, I think we're just in the very beginning stages. So as you look at the marketplace today, your own company included, who do you think will be the front runner in terms of that rapid growth? I love, you know, the attention that the category is getting. Right now, if you think about pure volume, the front runners are going to be those that secure enough capacity, manufacturing, ingredients. When we think of future partnerships with ingredient suppliers, it is about making sure that you can handle the demand of this rapid growth. And also for innovation, coming out with something new, new flavors, new food forms. It's really about making sure that the portfolio grows along with the demand. But obviously, if you can't make it and do the basic blocking and tackling of, you know, shipping 
and on time and full with customers getting on shelf is really about being that go-to partner from a manufacturer as well as with our consumers and customers. So I think really who can get to that faster will be the front runner because I think it's one thing to come out with the, to get the buzz, to get investors, to get listed on the stock exchange. That's, that's fantastic and again creates this awareness. However, if you can't meet the demand, then you just won't be that go-to partner from a manufacturer. So what do you see as the biggest obstacles? Is it supply chain, raw materials? Is it scaling up manufacturing? Or are there other obstacles that will slow that growth? I think it depends on who you're talking about. You know, for us, we've been, we're so fortunate that, you know, we are owned by JBS. And so that has allowed us, and we have a group of people that have come from big CPG companies that are very well-versed in how you grow something from scratch as well. So we've been able to leverage, whether it's procurement, you know, in raw materials, as well as manufacturing, as we have our own facility that we want to make sure that we're not going to create something that we can't produce. And then keeping a very full focus on just, again, those simple blocking and tackling, creating, you know, the best product, but making sure that we can supply it. Now, I can't speak for anyone else, but I would think that that's got to be a challenge. When you think about everyone, the race to raw materials, the race to really the innovation and what's next from a manufacturing standpoint, We feel very lucky and fortunate that we have the power of JBS behind us. When you say that, obviously, you've got access to expertise, knowledge, and deep pockets, I'm guessing. Is it a financial obstacle then? Is it making sure that you have enough in your partnerships and your investors and your bank account, right, to scale up to meet demand? Or are there going to be points at which it doesn't matter how much money you have, there's just only so much soy or whatever Mm. available in the marketplace? Sure. One, there are multiple different ways to get after plant-based protein. And I think that's what everyone's looking at as well, which is really exciting. It's fantastic for the industry, but it is about cost. And we have to make it available for everyone. You know, you can create a great product, but if people can't afford it, then how does that help? And So I don't think it is necessarily about deep pockets. If you look at the biggest competitors out there today, they have very deep pockets. So I think it's about the business model and the focus on the consumer. And I think it's about the focus of innovation and taste. And honestly, if you think about that, then it's truly about repeat rate and getting into more households. So are we providing the best food in the best way that people will make us a part of their everyday habits, as well as what people look for when they go to restaurants? So I think it's it's creating more of this demand. It's one thing if you get the buzz and people try it once, but if they don't come back, how does that help the category yourself? So is it the best product out there today? Is it the best tasting where people are like, wow, I can see myself eating this more than just once? And then making sure that once you say that, once you get the repeat, once you know that you have creating loyalty and brand awareness, then it is going then to be, do you have the right business model to make sure that you have all of these things secured as well as the future of innovation. So let's talk some more about innovation, which has come up a lot in this conversation. Where do you see the big innovations happening? Is it about flavor and texture? Is it about marketing? What are you really excited about from an innovation standpoint? Mm. Actually, all of it. (laughs) I think the, the more we keep seeing that it's changing so quickly and so fast. So it's somewhat about focus, to be honest to make sure that you have that eye on the shopper and the consumer 
And, you know, right now we're not really solving a problem. I would say we're really creating something. And this is a very different space when it's, you think about innovation because people don't think that they need this. I mean, there's obviously health reasons, there's sustainability, there's environmental reasons, which is fantastic. But if you really get after this flexitarian idea, they're happy eating meat every day. So how do you create those solutions for people in the right texture, flavor profiles? It's a game changer, I would say, for people, for families at home and what people are looking for. And so the technology improvements Obviously, flavor, that's always going to be it. But I would say more technology as well as we use a proprietary blend of pea and rice protein that's fermented by shiitake mushrooms because we believe in fermentation. And fermentation is a feature in a lot of different categories. But for us specifically, it's a unique blend that helps to make it more nutritional as well as just benefits to your body for digestion. And so it's like, and then it's thinking through, okay, giving people a reason, another reason to try it. Not only does it taste good, but it's actually better for me. And I feel better after I eat it. And then how does that then get into different outside of just a burger or grounds? You know, how do you bring that into different categories like chicken and sausage and turkey in different ways that you can bring that to people that it is truly a health benefit that is also nutritional? So looking ahead, Ted years, we talked about who might be big enough to compete with a Tyson. Can you envision a meat case that has as much or more alternative proteins in it as animal-based proteins? Will that ever happen? Mm. I don't see that. Honestly, I see meat's never going to go away. And this isn't about replacing meat. It is about options. And so, But if you look at the pure volume of meat today, I have a hard time thinking that that's going to shift that much to where real estate would be equal and just from a holding power perspective. But I do see because there's so many brands and so many different versions that they call it, you know, whether it's soy, soy free, a blend, you name it, Mm -hmm. of these brands coming into the space, I do see it simplified. I see people getting more educated on really why and what they want which really helps with then where it should be housed, you know, in the fresh meat case, or is it frozen, or you have a dedicated space for a plant-based, that, that's only going to get better. Right now, obviously, we're taking advantage of the traffic by having it next or within, held within the meat case in certain areas or retailers. But I think eventually it will become its own destination. It just won't have the same holding power or real estate. I don't think that meat will. And what are your goals for Plantera in the next two, three, five, 10 years? Our goals are simple. It's to be the best plant-based protein company in the world. When we say the best, it's actually coming from the mission and values within JBS as well, because we see when you say the best, you think about your external focus. You think about making sure that your site is about being the best partner, being the best when it comes to quality and relationships as well as people and company and culture. And so we're trying to build something that's going to be around for a very long time and global as well. And just to make sure that we're providing the best food for everyone, for whatever their motivation is. Okay. Do you consider yourself a vegan or vegetarian, flexitarian? (laughs) I am that flexitarian. (laughs) I love all food, but however, I live with a very picky family that are very much just about meat. So as I introduce all of this plant-based stuff to them, it's it's such a good barometer for me to understand where, 
just kind of average families are, you know. So I eat more plant-based than I do meat. And however, my family doesn't. So, and we refuse to make multiple different meals for everyone. So I, I'm kind of a the blend, but not afraid to try anything. Darcy and several other executives in the alt meat space told us what they thought might be in store for the market over the next 10 years. You can read all of their prognostications in the February 2021 issue of Alt Meat Magazine. To subscribe to the magazine and to our weekly Alt Meat News newsletter, go to our website at alt-meat.net. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Lisa Keefe. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.